right. Thank you for the amazing flow of creativity today and ideas and life, Lord. Thank you for Corey and everything that he's going to say, God, that we eat and we have our sustenance, Lord, and we get all of the revelation tonight, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Oh, yeah. Virgins. Verse 25. The wet printer next to my Bible. That's fair. Tina, you got the mic today? Oh, I've always got the mic on virgins. Yes, she does. We'd like to read verse 25. Mean. Now, regarding your question about the young women who are not yet married, I do not have a command from the Lord for them, but the Lord in his mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted, and I will share it with you. You want me to keep going? So, hang on. Okay. So, my, the <laughs> alternative versions read, uh, now concerning virgins, I have no command, which means that it's not a command from God, but he has an opinion. <laughs> I have no commandment, yet I give my judgment. He was intellectual. So, well, he has wisdom. But, but he's wisdom, yeah. Right. I mean, so he has wisdom. So his opinion is based in knowledge of who God is, right? Because he walks with the Lord. In the closing verses of this chapter, Paul offered advice regarding the unmarried, which is most of you. Perhaps the Corinthians had asked in their letter, what about our unmarried virgin daughters? Should they get married? Some of them aren't getting any younger. <gasps> Thanks. In in the ver in the they next. Said she's no spring chicken. In the, <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the next verses, twenty six through thirty five, Paul offers some of the reasons behind his counsel regarding the married and unmarried. So, who would like to read twenty six? Because of the present crisis, I think that it is best that you remain as you are. So he's basically Jeez. saying it's every, every the crisis. Well, Thanks so the they're saying because Jesus is coming back, just don't get married. Oh dang! Just stay single. Is what he's saying. All right. The present crisis <laughs> uh, can be seen in two ways: a reference to the immoral uh, condition of Corinth, right <clears throat> or a reference. <clears throat> Reference to the second coming of Jesus. So, I mean, you gotta you gotta think about how the Corinthian church was, and it was pretty gnarly. Yeah, I mean, remember we said that if it was in America, it would be the Californians <laughs> instead of the Corinthians. That there was a lot of immorality. There was a lot of so that could be one reason he said not to get married. But most most scholars agree it's because he believed that Jesus was returning. There was a guy sleeping with his mom. Yeah, we discussed that two, yeah. two, two chapters ago. So. Yeah, you, I'll tell you in there. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to stop. It just involves <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> and they were cheering him on. Good job, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we really have not developed in society. <laughs> no, 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 we have not. Mm -hmm. uh, verse 27. If you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> if, the, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to anyone in this room through this verse. I'm a nun. Uh, <laughs> Only Israel. <laughs> I'm a nun now. Look, you've already done it, stay that way. But if you haven't, you might you might reconsider. Verse 28, keep reading. 
recommend. But it. if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married, got married at this time, will have troubles. And I'm trying to spare you from those problems. <laughs> <laughs> Marriage is a headache. She Dang, said. Paul is. <laughs> It's crazy. Marriage. Maybe his parents didn't have a good marriage. Oh, he's like, he got problems. So, if an unmarried believer should, however, marry another believer, it was not considered a sin. But Paul wrote, such will have trouble in this life. He's like a grumpy uncle to me. Kind of seems like he was bitter because he didn't have a wife. Right? Verse 29. But this I say, brothers and sisters, the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should be as though they had none. Pause. Should I keep going? Yeah. I don't know if I like this. And those who weep as though not weeping, and those who rejoice as though not rejoicing, and those who buy as though not possessing, and those who use the world as though not using it to the fullest, for the present form of this world is passing away. So... In view of the fact that the time has been shortened, all things in life must be put in the context of a bigger picture. Uh, The temporal must be put in the context of the eternal. Marriage is not to be the ultimate loyalty. The believer must not Mm. allow sorrow or pleasure or profit to keep them from serving God. Mm -hmm. The believer, while in this world, must not be of the world because the form of this world is passing away. So Paul's basically just saying, and, and again, he, he stated this up front, this is not a command from God, this is just my opinion. Since Jesus is coming back, you have too much to do to worry about all this other stuff. Yeah. Almost kind of warning of marriage is a potential false idol. Well, yeah, he's basically saying, and, and the same thing, Peter um, Peter was married, and we know because he had a mother-in-law, but Peter obviously had to give some attention to his wife. And so, uh, you know, Matt talked a couple of weeks ago uh, and said, you know, marriage is death to self, which means that you are putting your spouse and their wants and desires above your own. And really... Paul is sitting here saying, you will be a better servant to the Lord in the last days if you remain single because you won't have a split or dual loyalty. We're called to be married to Christ. So, yeah, that's all through Scripture. So the picture of the relationship of Christ and the church is the marriage. And so, again, Paul's opinion based upon what he believes is wisdom from God. So... And then we're gonna you're gonna see this in the next couple verses, but he says, I want you verse 32, but I want you to be free from concern. Okay? That's the anxiety of being pulled in different directions. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But the one who is I'm sorry, the one who is unmarried is concerned about the Lord how he may please the Lord. But the one who is married is concerned about the things of the world and how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord 
that she may be holy both in body and spirit, but the one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Verse 35, And this I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is seemly and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. <clears throat> this is the scripture that Catholics mm. use mm. to promote celibacy. Mm -hmm. Right? This is, this is the section where they're like, if you're going to be a servant of the Lord, you should not be married. Because of Paul's teaching right here. Yes. But he straight up says, <clears throat> this isn't a command, this is just godly wisdom. And so Paul's counsel to remain unmarried was so that the believer would be free from concern of this world and that they would have more time and energy to serve God. Again, that's where the Catholics get being celibate is through this verse like, hey, if you're unmarried, you'll have more time to serve the Lord. Uh, an unmarried person, on the other hand, is not encumbered by the many concerns and they're free to devote themselves to the things of the Lord. But Warren Wearsby writes, It is possible to please both the Lord and your mate if you are yielded to Christ in obeying his word. Many of us have discovered that a happy home and satisfying marriage are a wonderful encouragement in the difficulties of our Christian service. So, if you have a godly wife, it can be of a benefit to you. Mm -hmm. Yes, so, sir. I agree. <laughs> so, <Yep. laughs> yep. there are many, many things, many benefits to being married. And what what you Texas. need to understand is, is, that, is that you want to find someone that you're yoked equally with. Mm -hmm. yep. right? Yes, sir. But also understand that once you get married, it's all about you making the other person's wants and desires as important as your own. So if you have somebody and you're married and ministry is important to them, then ministry is going to be important to you. If you marry somebody who has mixed priorities then it's going to create conflict and division throughout the entire marriage mm. and so that's one of the things that you have to consider when you're getting married pause <laughs> verse 36 there's confusion whose turn is it not confusion but it's um izzy's turn go is fly if anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed if his passions are too strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. Yeah. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart, to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So here he's saying, if you do get married and you stay faithful and honorable, then you have a good so we, we, we talked about it. Now he's talking about it. Verse 38. Oh, yes. 
So then he who marries his betrothed does well, but he who refrains from marriage will do even better. <laughs> <laughs> the race. <laughs> so Paul Paul's doing good. You could do better. <laughs> Paul's leaving it open and ended on purpose because he's basically saying they're both good. It was kind being of, married is good. It's a little but being single is probably better. <laughs> so he, Basically, he's saying side eye. Be right. He said, (laughs) "Being married is good, but only if you're perfectly equally yoked. And then if not, don't get married." Well, I mean, so that mm, this is this is a dangerous. Let's hear it. This is why he didn't want to do this one. Why he didn't want me? Tell us how you want us not to get married, just like Paul. (laughs) Oh, so you want us all to be single forever, Corey? You want us to be eunuchs? Oh, God. That's a completely different thing. It is. Hold on. Yes. So, marriage is very complex and very multifaceted thing. One, it can teach you the love of God if you operate properly, Mm. if your marriage operates properly. But if it does not, it can hinder you. And so Paul has a good point here in the fact that he's saying... If you can be single and it's okay and you can serve God well, then do that. And you will be a better servant in that situation. However, most, I'm only speaking as a male because I'm a male, but most males can't. So they have to find a spouse to get married to. Women, I don't know. Y'all y'all's own own things. But Species. but seriously, like as <laughs> most most men have a hard time with it. And you see it in the sexual immorality of the Catholic Church and the celibate priests. Because mm. they have natural desires. The church says you can't do this, and they find alternate ways to express themselves, which causes a lot more damage. Mm. So Paul's saying, Hey, can't control yourself get married mm-hmm. but marriage does bring complexities you have to think about another person's financials you have to think about their emotional health you have to think about their physical health you have to think about their spiritual health you and when matt said you die to yourself you're really you, you're you're focusing on the other person so much i had a friend her name was sarah she told she told her her Bible college husband. They were both Bible college students. Oh, yeah. And she goes, God better be here, but I better be right there. And that's a true statement. Her statement was actually, I want to be a hair under God. Uh, But when when you're doing that in your life, it's very difficult to say, I'm all in for God. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you both pull together... You're going to be a much more powerful force for God, and you you build each other up and you lift each other up. So there's there's many different ways to look at it. Uh, that's why Paul leaves it open ended. He basically mm-hmm. said, "This is good. In my opinion, this is better. But they're both good. So if you come back and you'll be like, I'm I'm staying married because I'm more holy than you. Wrong." That's not how it goes. Or I'm staying single because I'm more holy. Yeah, no, that's not true. 
And especially, <laughs> especially if it leads to sexual immorality later on. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. get married. So that you don't have to worry about the immorality. Mm-hmm. Right? Practical. But one is gooder. Practical considerations before we move on to the next chapter. Husbands <laughs> and wives should work at meeting each other's needs. Sex within marriage is wholesome and right. Singleness as well as marriage is a viable lifestyle for Christians. Christian couples should look for ways of solving their marital problems rather than reasons for getting a divorce. Hmm. Oh. Okay? It's, like the, it's like the verse about mm-hmm. believers, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. we talked about it. Yeah, That's just kind of summing up this, this chapter as we move on to the next one. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Oh, sorry guys. First Corinthians chapter, I made a worm, so I was distracted. Now regarding your questions about food that had been offered to idols. Yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue, but while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. That's okay. like kind of a hard bore. So, do we remember Acts? Think back to Acts. Where you told them very specifically. Where they had the council, they had the council, they went to Jerusalem, and what, what is one of the, they said... That you, there's some things you had to do, and circumcision wasn't one of them, but what were some of the things you had to do? <laughs> no food to idols. Sacrifice to idols. No food to idols was one of them. And ah. so this is literally him addressing what they talked about at that council in a letter to the Corinthians. So we talked about how he went to the churches and he talked about it. Here he's supporting that with a letter that he sent. In addition to their questions about marriage, the Corinthians asked Paul for counsel regarding the matter of meat sacrifice to idols in the letter they sent him. These, uh, the thing sacrificed to idols is a reference to the sacrifice of animals in the heathen religious rites practice in Corinth. The meat of an animal was used in three ways. A, it was used in the religious ceremony, usually as a burnt offering. B, a portion of the meat was cooked and eaten as part of the religious ceremony. And C, a portion was taken home by the worshiper or sold to the public in the marketplace. Um, Paul identified two things that motivated and governed the action of the Corinthians in regard to things sacrificed to idols. First, knowledge. The more mature Corinthians believed... Sorry, the more mature Corinthians believers had knowledge that the less mature believers did not have. They knew that the things sacrificed to idols were not wrong to eat according to God's law because we have freedom. Mm. Um, However, we should abstain from those things because it might make the non-believers think that you're worshiping their gods. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And then the other one is love. You wouldn't say that they were moving out of a fear is just an awareness, right? Just be smart about it. Because technically, yeah, you're, I mean, you're covered by the blood. But also... I, I'm going to say this very delicately. Your life should look different than the non-believers. Yeah. And if you're doing the same things they are... What's really different about you? Then what, mm. that, what makes you... Because not everyone has context, yeah. Yeah. So the fact that... You can eat the meat sacrificed to idols, and it's okay because you have freedom to do so. doesn't mean that you should. Right. And Galatians tells us that 
you have freedom, but not everything. You should, yeah, you should exercise those freedoms to glorify God, not to glorify your own flesh. Okay, it's kind of like how close can you get to a fire without being burned? Yeah, but there's also there's also an aspect of it where you have to uh, you have to consider. Abstain from all appearances of evil. Mm. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And so, it's not even about, like, you getting burned. It's about you burning other people. Because mm. they see what you're doing inside of you. So, uh, there's, a, there's a, a person I know that used to go to church. And he was going to youth group. And he went into the youth group. And he walked in. He saw these two girls that he saw at a party the night before like acting all heathenish and they were the so, most holy ones in the room that were praying and saying Jesus love he's like bro I saw something different last night mm -hmm. and he's like why would I go to church if if I just have another obligation hmm. I actually right? ended up an inadvertent, inadvertent stumbling block right so we're doing the same thing Right? Mm -hmm. We're both going to the club on Friday night. But you have to go to church on Sunday morning and I can sleep in. Mm. Because there's no difference between us except for the fact that you get up early and go to church on Sundays. Mm. So Those are the fashion statement Christians. Yeah, mm. well. Booty God booty. <laughs> booty God booty. Dad taught that in youth group. Like, do you remember it? He taught that in youth group like years ago. Booty God booty. <coughs> Saturday, booty. Sunday, God. Monday, booty. booty. You're a bad person. <laughs> in conclusion, you're a bad person. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember teaching it, but I don't like I, to I told it to Dion once. Bring I told God it to Nick's mom. Yeah. I said booty God booty. She was like, what? I was like, you know. Club, church, club. Yep. I remember it vividly. Yeah. I think about it often. When I'm doing things. It's her Roman Empire. <laughs> when you're at no, the booty, real. you're like, wait. No, I'm doing something and I'm like, is this and booty right like, now? Is this booty or God? Is this booty or God? That's all the recording. So, God, God. God made you holy, but you being a hoe. <laughs> That's on there now, too. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's on YouTube first, so it we're not. YouTube. You know. We saw it on YouTube. All right. That one was hard. I know. Eight, two, and three. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. But Ooh. the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. Bar. The mature believer assumes they knew more than they actually knew. Uh, a bit of the the Corinthian believers were trying to deal with a sensitive spiritual matter on the basis of their knowledge and understanding alone. That was not enough. A personal and loving relationship with God must keep knowledge in check. Mm. They were experiencing the Dunning-Kruger effect. Basically, yeah. All right, uh, verse 4. So that about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a god, and that there is only one god. There may be so-called gods both in heaven and on earth, and some people actually worship many gods and many lords. 
Do you want me to keep going? Yeah, verse 6. But for us there is one God, the Father, by whom all things were created, and for whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created, and through whom we live. So, regardless of how many gods and lords the heathen claimed there were, in reality there is only one God who has created all things and created man for himself. So, All um, for God, all for Jesus. Yep. Hmm. All right. A word to the wise, verse eight, or <laughs> chapter eight, verse seven. But that knowledge is not in everyone. Some, so accustomed to idols up until now, eat food as an idol sacrifice, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. So the Corinthian believers could not forget their past experiences with idolatry. They still felt uneasy about eating meat sacrificed to idols. Doing so brought to their remembrance old feelings. They were troubled at the thought of eating such meat and troubled by those who did. They still still felt that eating meat sacrificed to idols was to partake in the idolatrous practice. So does this is basically don't drink alcohol with an alcoholic. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. If you're if you're a Christian, there's nothing wrong with having an alcoholic beverage unless you're causing a weaker consciousness. A weaker yeah. person a that's struggling to to stumble. So mm-hmm. and the Bible tells us not to be stumbling blocks to others. Yeah, right? That's good. So Verse 8 and 9. Food will not commend us to God, for we are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not become, does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Make sure that the right, your freedom, does not cause other people to fall. Mm. Very simple. Very simple. In other words, just because you can don't mean you should. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that reminds me of one of my favorite verses of, of all time. We talked about yesterday in the room. He was 12. One, because now that there's, we have this huge crowd of witnesses, so all of his face let it chip off every week, mm-hmm. especially the same. Right? Yep. Because you got you have witnesses. There are people looking at your life as the example. It just it doesn't have to be a sin, but if, even if it's a witness, it's right? Yep, and and Paul re- reiterates this in verse 10. For if someone, a weaker brother, sees you who has knowledge dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if it is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, the brother for whose whose sake Christ died. So he's basically saying, you know better. You know, just because, you know, you did it, you caused a brother in Christ to stumble. Verse 12. Yes. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Dang. It kind of goes back to the whole, if you 
cause someone to stumble, it should be like a millstone around your neck. Mm. Come on. Yeah, and so Paul Paul's basically saying uh, that when we cause a weaker brother to stumble or sin, we sin against Christ. Mm. <laughs> Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the last of them, you did it to me in Matthew twenty five forty. Mm. Verse 13. So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause any other believer to stumble. So Paul sums it all up in uh, verse 13 by stating that he was not willing to participate in any activity, even if it was right, that had the potential to cause a weaker brother to stumble. He was willing to give up his personal rights for the sake of others. For Paul, it was more important to love others than to participate in activities that his knowledge told him was within his rights. Paul's freedom and rights were governed by love. So before deciding to do something that is morally neutral or morally questionable, ask, is doing this harmful to others? Ask before you eat, do, or say. This chapter offers us a guideline for moral decision-making. Ask yourself the following questions before participating in any questionable event or activity. Will my participation in this activity, A, be harmful to others, B, be harmful to the cause of Christ, or C, cause someone else to stumble? If you use that lens before you act, you will make proper choices. Verse nine, chapter 9, verse 1. Am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Even if others think I am not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. So, to illustrate his point, Paul used himself as an example. He cited that while he had the right to receive financial support from the churches he served, he had given up that right for the sake of the gospel and in order that he not become a source of stumbling to anyone in the churches. Paul began by discussing the basis of his apostleship. He asked four questions that implied a positive answer. One, am I not free? Two, am I not an apostle? Three, have I not seen Jesus, our Lord? And four, are you not my work in the Lord? In other words, have I not supported you and taught you? Verse three and four. This is my answer to those who question my authority. Don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Keep going. Yeah. Don't we have the right to blah, blah, blah. don't we have the right to bring a believing wife with us as the other apostles and the Lord's brothers do, as Peter does, or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves? <laughs> hey, Bestie Barney, Barney, he's Barney. back. I missed his name. As an apostle, Paul had the right to expect the churches he served to financially support him, 
so that he could serve the Lord without worry of financial pressures. Yet neither he nor Barnabas asserted this right. Instead, they had secular occupations to provide for the support of their missionary endeavors as well as support for those who traveled with them. In other words, God didn't give me any money, so y'all can't tell me what, <laughs> what I'm supposed to do. So him and Barnabas were working, and the other people were not? Pretty much, yeah. He and Barnabas were, were tent. So that's where the that's where the term tent maker comes from, right? So you talk about being in ministry, but you talk about being a, a tent maker. Got so tent maker Paul and Barnabas tent. actually literally made tents and sold them. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about being in ministry, being a pastor, but still having a, a job to support what you do, because you don't want church to be able to tell you what you can and can't do that's basically what paul's saying here like hey i'm an apostle and i taught you everything but also none of you gave me money so oh. i'm gonna tell you how it is <laughs> you don't owe me yeah and and part of it is there comes a point where when you're when you're putting money towards someone like they may feel obligated to say what you want to hear mm. because you're paying their salary. Like, oh, I'm going to tell you what you want to hear. Paul's basically saying, I'm going to tell you the truth because you didn't supply anything for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I worked myself. He doesn't have lobbyists. <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> basically. Verse 7. What soldier even ever serves at his own expense who plants a vineyard and does not eat its fruit or tends a flock and does not drink its milk so he's using illustrations from the secular world paul strengthened his argument that those who labor in spiritual matters have a right to receive compensation for their labor in the following cases it was both logical and customary that the soldier farmer and shepherd were supported by the cause they served um is it wrong for an individual to expect to receive support to that which he devotes his life and energies? Absolutely not. Verse eight. Do I say these? Is it me? Yeah. Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses: You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for the? Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does He not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope of the thresher in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. So the Old Testament law made provision for oxen that were used to tread out the grain. The oxen were permitted to eat some of the grain on the threshing floor while they worked. If God is concerned about oxen, how much more is he concerned about his own servants? So Paul contends that the principle stated in Deuteronomy 25 verse 4 is for people as well as oxen. Those who labor and invest their lives and energy in an enterprise ought to expect that their support will come from that enterprise. Those who labor for God ought to expect the same privilege as the oxen on the threshing floor. Verse 11 and 12. If we have if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? 
If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? <laughs> Keep going. Okay. Oh my gosh, sorry. <laughs> Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Mm. There was like a paragraph break yeah. in it really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a big point though, the nevertheless, right? We did not use this right. It was a dramatic pause. But we endured <laughs> all things mm. that we may cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. No stumbling blocks. So, <coughs> it's important for us to understand everything we do in life should be to advance the kingdom of God. So when we go to work, and we work, we should work as unto the Lord. When we go to school, and we learn, we learn as unto the Lord. We give it our full effort, as though we're worshiping God through those things. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, work as worship is, is a big deal. Right? Especially when work for companies that are not Christian companies. You still go and you work and you do those things so that you can edify and glorify God through your actions instead of causing a stumbling block through your actions. You claim to be a Christian and then you go to work and you do a subpar job. You are not bringing glory to God's name. That's kind of hard. Whoa. That's if like, you go to school and you don't put the effort in to learn mm -hmm. and to study, you are not bringing glory to God's name. Sorry. That's dun, dun, dun. That's <laughs> kind of what we, me and Nate talked about with uh, Marie tonight because we were talking about the Saints and Priests and the shirts and stuff. We work and, for a Christian company called Saints and Priests. <laughs> Anyways, we, um, she was talking about how like there's some people who have like the the shirts that are like, Jesus loves you, but they're the people who, you know, yell at you, at, yell at the service employee, and then go pray before dinner, you know. Yeah, we talked about that. I know, I was going to say, it's funny that she brought it up, because we talked about that also. Yeah, because but, it's a real, it's a real problem. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you are like... Claiming to represent God. I'm a... a follower of Jesus, I am so holy and then I treat you like crap we're emissaries emissaries have to represent and you're not representing well if you're not this is why he puts nothing Jesus related on his truck he yells at every second person he sees <laughs> no what was it, you said last week that we are the only bible some people will ever read yeah. that's Ooh. crazy yeah. uh, so to that, <laughs> to that, I I know that I have an intent. I have a tendency, and I have a problem. I have a sin in my own life of being very aggressive on the road. And if you do something bad to me, I will chase you down. Get back in blood. No. Yeah, well, I might chase you down. Chase you down. I might force you off the interstate. Okay. I, I've done those things. I'm not proud of them, but I I, I, I told I told my wife. A long time ago, I was like, I do not put Christian bumper stickers on my truck because I don't want to be a stumbling block. Yep. Now, that's not 
a, a correct way to live. <laughs> Disclaimer. You should show grace, and you should not act like I do when I'm driving. But uh, I'm, there, there are no bugs. I'm, I'm a terrible person on the road, and I'm praying through very, very much. So I am. I was on the road today. Just a funny little story. Not funny because I actually cried about it. But I was wearing this shirt. And I was on the road today, and someone was, like, behind me. I was, like, the exit went like this, and then one... Do you guys know, like, the exit goes here, and then one lane goes here, but it also goes straight? Mm -hmm. I was in this lane, and I, like, totally forgot because I was on 75. So I was trying to get over this way, and so, like... But I, like, slowed down a little bit so I could get over this way. And when I started slowing down, the guy who obviously was wanting to go that way was, like, honking at me, beeping Mm -hmm. at me, and I was, like... And I got over because someone let me over, and then when he went by, we, like, made eye contact, and I was, like... And then I was like, no, don't look at my shirt. Right. Like, I was like, no. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And I'm over here, like, literally, like, lo- like low-key. Like, I was, like, like saying some bad stuff. And I was like, oh, gosh. I was like, I'm part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> she said, may the Lord forgive you because I will not. Hey, and, you know, God's grace. Yeah, right. You know, we, we, we are, none of us, we're all flawed. You know, we all have, we all have problems. You know, but... When the Holy Spirit brings conviction to you, like mm. you, He did today, Tina, like yeah. it's important to acknowledge those things and to correct our behavior so that you don't continue to do those things. Right. Uh, don't drive. No one wants to drive with me or Corey on the interstate. Do not ride with Corey on the interstate. <laughs> I, I blame my my jobs that made me drive all over Dallas for the last three years maybe if they were good drivers in Dallas it wouldn't be an issue I've been driving to Dallas for five years now almost six it's crazy I think we're I think we're on 12 all right I'll go to 12 where is no, it she no, she okay, red 12. okay where are we at? 15? 13. 13. Oh, yeah, 13. There we go. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple, and those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings? You want me to keep reading? Yeah. In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Lord himself had to direct, the Lord himself had directed that it was both the right and acceptable those who preach the gospel should receive money for their services. Financial compensation. Financial compensation. So, yeah. Literally, just looked at Leviticus, Aaron, and all the priests are eating food with offerings. Verse 15. Yet I have never used any of these rights. Okay, Paul, Paul, Paul. And I'm not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, <laughs> I would rather die than lose my right, <laughs> oh, no. than lose my right to boast awesome about mood. preaching without charge. I'm being a little dramatic. Paul, in this oh. verse, demonstrated that it was the right of the apostles and preachers of the gospel to be supported by those they served. In addition, the church had an obligation to support its ministers. Paul, however had not asserted his rights, but rather endured hardship and labored with his own hands for the sake of the gospel. Nobody could say that Paul was in it for the money. Oh, he makes it clear. Paul refused to exercise his right to receive support from the Corinthian church for the sake of the gospel. That is exactly what he asked the Corinthians to do in regard to meat sacrificed to idols. Okay, I, 
I think it's crazy because it says his reason to boast, but I don't think he's actually boasting. Well, so he's ba- that's what he's saying. He's like, I'm not, I'm not gonna take money because I don't want. He wants to be able to say. If yeah. He was put in that position. He wants to be able to verify. I didn't do it. For well, money, yeah, right? I didn't do mm-hmm. it for the money, right? I have proof that I did not do it for money. I never took right. nothing. Right. I never took a dime. Mm-hmm. So is it that mind says he'd rather die than lose his right to boast? Yeah. Yeah, Which yeah. But it says his, his right to boast, but it, he isn't boasting because mm-hmm. love is not boastful. Right. Right. He just has the. He just, if he wanted, didn't Paul do that a couple times? He He's like, to, look, if he I said, really I could flex to, like, if I wanted. I, I really, if I really wanted to, but I'm not right there. But I'm just letting you know I can't. I could. Paul, humble brags. I'll say this Paul had some very sassy, sassy stuff. <laughs> he was a sassy boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was a mood. He, he, liked, he liked to throw the sass out there occasionally. Come on. Sarcastic question. You know, yeah. Like, quirky. Every now and then he'll be like, May it never be. (laughs) (laughs) Am I not the only one? Yeah. Am I not the only one? Did I ever take money from you? I think not. (laughs) Right? Like, it's to me, it just proves that we, especially the sarcastic ones in the world, are in good company. (laughs) (laughs) Verse uh, 16... No, we're 17. That's my name. I know. Oh, wait. No, I didn't read 16. All right. Read 16 and 17. Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible of me if I didn't preach the good news. We didn't read 15. Read 15. And then read 16. Really? Not to. No, I read read 15. Oh, just kidding. Yeah. If I were doing this on my own... If I were doing this on my own initiative... I would deserve payment, but I have no oh. choice, for God has given me this sacred trust. Hmm. What then is my pay? What It is an opportunity to pe- preach the good news without charging anyone. That's why I never demand my rights when I preach <laughs> the good news. See what I mean about the, the sassiness? I should the, get paid just, for this I if I just, just I feel decided the zestiness of this yeah. whole thing. <laughs> What then is my reward, <laughs> right? <laughs> that when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge. Yeah. We're going to read 19 and 20. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win over more of them. To the Jewish people, I identified as a Jew, so that I might win over the Jewish people. To all those under the Torah, I became like one under the Torah, though not myself being under the Torah, that I might win over those under the Torah. Should I keep going? 21 is kind of a continuation. Yeah, that's the end of the sentence. To those outside Torah, like one outside Torah, though not being outside Torah, outside God's Torah, but in Messiah's Torah. (laughs) <laughs> so that I might win over There's those so outside Torah. <laughs> Torah just means law. Yes. <laughs> so we should play a game. Everyone Go to take a shot when he Go. says this is Torah. <laughs> so and to the Jews. So so listen to the heart of what he's saying. To the Jews, I became. Getting a little 
that I might win more Jews to those who are under the law even though I'm not under the law I put myself under the law that I might win them to Christ he was a chameleon of relevance so what's it mean what's it mean when he says to those outside the law he became like one outside the law Gentiles he adapted that's what it sounds like right yeah so basically whoever whoever he went to he was part of he made himself part of their culture so that he could how does that work with the culture that's against God what do you mean? Huh? You become like heathens or reach the heathens. One in Rome. So here, let, let me use a, a classic way of doing it. I ate a BLT with the Gentiles, even though eating pork is wrong according to the law. It wasn't wrong to the Gentiles, and because I ate the bacon, they listened to me because I related to them. Related to them. It's kind of like when he was when he was telling that that one when he was talking about when he was preaching to the was it the Romans about the. That extra God that they had, they didn't yeah. have a name for, and like he basically right. worked it into the sermon. He was like, "Well, you have another one over there. Right. I know who that is." He just kind of like played along with it to get there. To... Yeah. The, so here's the deal: if he goes in, if he goes, let's say he goes into a bunch of vegetarians, right? And he goes, "God's not gonna call me." Takes a turkey leg and starts eating the turkey leg in front of the vegetarians. How many of the vegetarians are gonna go? Oh, yeah, I'm gonna listen to you. They're going to be like, that dude just ate turkey. He is of the devil. He's No. So he's basically saying when I was, when I, whoever I was with, I followed their laws so that I had an influence and I was able to, to win them to Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I was with the vegetarians, I didn't eat meat. This veg. When I was with the, uh, when I, when I was with the, uh, carnivores. carnivores, I didn't eat the vegetables. Right. So he's, he's basically just saying. Whatever, whatever it takes to win somebody to Christ is what he did. <coughs> to the weak, I became weak. I feel like I feel like God is calling me to the numbers that haven't heard. Oh gosh. Mm. And I do all things for the sake of the gospel that I may become a fellow partaker of it. These verses reveal Paul's passion and plan. Paul's passion was to preach the gospel and to win as many people as possible to Christ. Paul's plan was to be sensitive to the other people and not identify with their needs. He was willing to become like others in the sense of understanding how they thought and felt in order to be more effective and to communicate the gospel more effectively. Paul was aware that all men needed to hear and respond to the same gospel, but that he could not use the same method of sharing the gospel with all people. Verse 24 gets hard. Uh, 24, read it. Don't you know that in a stadium, the runners all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Just kind of go back to before that. like Be like everybody, but don't be everybody. Like, yeah. Win the race. Well, run in, run in such a, a way that you will win. Remember when I talked about like work? You should be when you when you have a job. You should be the best worker that they have. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. When you're in a class, you should be the best student. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to struggle with some things, but you better put the effort in. If you're going to be in the room with the gamers, Come you, on. Better, you better be the best gamer. Yeah. If you're not, step out. Let somebody <laughs> else do. I'm dropping out. That's a, uh, that's 
That's no, uh, you can't drop out. You uh, must press on and overcome and run to the goal and press on. And everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do not do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I buffet my body and make it my slave. Buffet. Buffet. Mine says punish. But I punish oh, my body. Mine says discipline. Yeah. <laughs> I discipline my body and make it a slave. After I've preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. So like the athlete, Paul exercised discipline and self-control. He sought to live his life in a manner that was pleasing to the Lord. He laid aside personal comfort and compromise in order to keep from being disqualified as a minister of God. He said, what? I am not your shadow boxer. This is really cool. Uh, we went to a thrift store and... Uh, this is really cool. It's called the Athlete's Bible, and they had a creed on it. It's really cool. That's one thing I think maybe about. I think maybe we need to go over it and like say it out loud. Let's go up. You have to fix it. I think you have to fix it. Mm -hmm. maybe, I don't know. You it. But it was really good. Like it was hard, and it goes along with this. It's kind of long. Do you want me to read it? It's kind of read long. it. Read it. Ready? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I am a Christian first and last. I am created in the likeness of. God Almighty, <coughs> to bring him glory. I am a member of Team Jesus Christ. I wear the colors of the cross. Jesus Christ. I am a competitor now and forever. I am made to strive, to strain, to stretch, and to succeed in the area of competition. I am a Christian competitor, and as such, I face my challenger with the face of Christ. I do not trust in myself. I do not boast in my own ability, or do I believe in my strength, my own strength. I rely solely on the power of God. I compete for the pleasure of my Heavenly Father, the honor of Christ, and the reputation of the Holy Spirit. My attitude on and off the field is above reproach. My conduct beyond criticism. Whether I am preparing, practicing, or playing, I submit to God's authority and those He has put over me. I respect my coaches, officials, teammates, and competitors out of respect for the Lord. My body is the temple of Jesus Christ. I protect it from within and without. Nothing enters my body that does not honor the living God. My sweat is an offering to my master. My soreness is a sacrifice to my Savior. I give my all, all of the time. I do not give up. I do not give in. I do not give out. I am the Lord's warrior, a competitor by conviction, and a disciple of determination. I am confident beyond reason because my confidence lies in Christ. The results of my efforts must result in his glory. Amen. All right. <laughs> I wonder who wrote that. Yeah, I know, right? uh, so Paul wrote to Timothy at the end, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I've kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. In 2 Timothy 4, 7-8. It is hard to argue against a life of a effective service to God. God's people should support God's servants. We should run to win rather than run to get by. Mm -hmm. That's kind of hard. Because a lot of us just run to get by. We just get do the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. and 
Paul's basically taken and said, if you're going to do it for Christ, go all the way. So, all right. So that leaves us. Next week, we'll pick up 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Oh, we got through three chapters today? Two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah. Yeah.